All right, so you hear this phrase, Ari, all the time, that we are more polarized than ever before, right? You're hearing that? I've heard that. That's right. <laughs> CNN told me so. Nancy Pelosi told me so. I, 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 I think so while she called me a money-grubbing Jew. Um, <laughs> yes. All right, then. I've I, heard that. Not where I thought it, this was going to go, <laughs> but nevertheless, I'll continue as if you said nothing. <laughs> you, that's your job. Right, that's my job. So... I think we, we are more polarized, but not for the reasons that people uh, commonly uh, express. You know, the, the, the reasons that people commonly express about the polarization issue, that we're more extreme, more divided, more polarized than ever before, is because, well, you know, we're really entrenched in our positions, and uh, it's really getting nasty out there, uh, all of which I agree with, uh, but it's... That's not the reason why we're more polarized. In the end, I think what's happening, and this is, uh, I'll just wrap up with the conclusion and then call it a day for the podcast. No, but I'll get to the conclusion and then we'll discuss why it's so. Um, in the end, the reason why is that everyone is himself polarized from everyone else. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we live in a have it your way sort of culture, right? The, the famous Burger King commercial, have it your way. At Burger King. Good. As long as you agree with the prevailing narratives, you can have it any way you want. Right, exactly right. <laughs> right. As long, and as, as long as Barack Lurie no longer sings. <laughs> Please, Barack, just, you know, I'm a podcast guy, I'm a radio show guy, but I'm not a singer. Anyway. But do you identify as such? And if you in do, my mind's eye, I'm a fantastic singer. Use whatever singer's bathroom you choose. Then <laughs> you can have it your way. That's right. Who cares if no one wants to hear it? Right. You will do it anyway. I, I, I fear going into karaoke bars because I, I think that I'll be one of the only people that they've ever kicked out because it's my my voice is must has got to be so bad. Anyway, the point is, it's like have it your way culture the, the, from Burger King. You know, most of our listeners know about that famous song. It's no longer relevant, by the way, because everything is having your way. So um, that would be like saying, hey, you know, in America, you can breathe air. Okay, great. Yeah, it's not much of an offering. Um, Same thing here, have it your way. Our culture is so uh, hell-bent on making sure that you get everything exactly the way you want it, right? So let's, you know, just speaking about the, the goodies out there. Uh, now you have a playlist for Apple Music or whatever sort of music um, amount. What did they call it? Uh, aggregation. Aggregation. Yeah, the device you have. You can listen to any music you want on YouTube or Y Music. I think they call it and Spotify and Apple Music, of course. Yeah, and you can listen to any music you want, and you can skip over any music you don't want. Well, not which, only by that, the way, is a good thing. It's a it's it's wonderful technology, of course. Yeah. But you don't even have to skip over it. Now Now you simply select the songs you already love, you put it into a playlist, and you say, hey, Barack's a playlist. Maybe, maybe Barack has a playlist just for when he goes running or just when he goes uh, swimming or just when he wants to relax um, or, or just you know, when he's got his kids and he wants to play fun music for the kids that he knows that they would like and he would like, that sort of thing. But everything is uniquely uh, put together for, for me. Thank you very much. And... The same is true with uh, even when you go on airplane flights, right? You notice in the old days uh, when you went on a flight, the announcer, the the PA would go off and say, okay, and today's uh, feature film will be Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams and whatever, right? And, uh, you know, you can see all the passengers kind of looking to each other. Okay, that's a good movie. I'm looking forward to that. And then you would uh, get your headsets and everyone would watch it together 
And uh, or if you you know not interested in the movie or you, or you saw it a couple of times already, don't want to see it again, uh, you go you know turn on your reading light, and you're done. Not so anymore, right? Not so. Now you have your own little TV behind the, the you know um, attached to the back of uh, the person in front of you, uh, his seats rather, and uh, you can listen to any music. You can watch. So many different kinds of movies, so many different kinds of TV shows. You can play many video games, for that matter. Everyone is watching something unique to him that's of interest only to him. And that's the way it is. That's the way it's moved on. That's technology. You would expect that because people do want to have their own thing. I get that. It's fine. I'm not against it, by the way. Uh, Likewise, when you're at the airport or at a train station or any public area, you'll see a big monitor. And usually it's CNN playing the news uh, or whatever. And just watch, just look around next time when you see a monitor like that, you'll see very few people actually watching that monitor. They're, what, what are they watching, Ari? Their own Smartphones, stuff. yeah. They, they, they've got an iPhone or a Galaxy, whatever, and they're watching their own stuff. Why wouldn't they? they, they they're listening to their own podcast, their own music. Their own. Why should everyone have to watch CNN, right? I mean, it was just a lousy channel anyway. But really, it's, it's kind of funny. In the old days, way before smartphones... People would kind of gather around the monitor and watch the news, especially if they had a, a long time to kill before their flight. Not so anymore. So it, it continues on, of course. It's not just these things that we're talking about from a technology point of view. It's also, um, even when you go on a long ride with your family now, you, you know, the kids, I see it all the time. They have their own headphones. They're watching their own movie on their own iPhone. They don't even have the video thing on the back of their parents' um, uh, seats like in, like in an airplane. They have their own uh, video thing, whether it's, it's usually an iPad. So they can have fun on their own. So you can have literally four or five people in a car. They're traveling somewhere, and each of them in, is in his own little world. Interesting, right? I'm going somewhere with this and because this explains the polarization we're about to talk about. But there's more. You can go to college today and not learn a single thing about Western civilization. It used to be a common core sort of thing, not to use the phrase that you we... You mean core requirement. A core requirement, thank yeah. you. And uh, everyone, freshman year especially, would, would in some way or another learn about Plato, Aristotle, um, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, and so on, all the greats, um, and you would learn about themes, and you would discuss it together as a group. Your whole freshman class would, would do that. And, you know, maybe one would learn it from a literature point of view. One would learn from an art point of view. One might, might learn it from a pure historical and philosophy point of view. But whatever, there was one unifying thing. It was considered important that we all connect to Western civilization. Yeah, and it, if you notice in those old days, people who emerged from these colleges were considered cultured because they all shared a common knowledge of our culture. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. The, being cultured is, is, is just not necessary anymore. What is cultured, right? Yeah. Now it's yogurt, probiotics. Yeah, exactly. Yeast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? right. Well, the same thing is true. Now. I have a yeast infection. I'm cultured. So Boys nowadays, of course, you, you, you can literally graduate from the same college on the same day and not have with, with somebody else and not have studied a single thing in common together or, or, or apart from each other for that matter. Uh, and and that's a bad thing. That I, I'm I'm confident is a very bad thing because you shouldn't be doing this. Secondly, uh, there's also language, right? I mean, 
today you go into the voting booth and you see 15 different languages. Yeah, and it's especially true because we're here in Los Angeles, a diverse city. Right. Right? So No, if you, if you so so I know a couple of uh, Korean clients for example. Uh, successful, mind you. Really successful. Uh, making bank. Um, one of them doesn't know a lick of English. And he's been here how long? 30 years. 35 <laughs> yeah, years. 35 years. Doesn't speak a word <laughs> of English. Okay? Has a full-on translator. Doesn't even... I don't think he even knows how to say, how are you? Yeah. Lives in the Koreatown area, I assume, where right. all the storefronts are in Korean. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I, I, I admire the man. He's an amazing guy. And why does he not even bother learning English? Wait for it. Because he doesn't have to. Yeah, no one made him. Everyone's told him that uh, your culture, your language is, is wonderful. Yeah, they and, installed and it, the disabled handicap ramps of language for him. Right. And so he had no reason. No reason. Yeah. So he, he can get by completely fine. And he's obviously gotten, he's very wealthy. Um, it's a beautiful ho- uh, house and uh, in a very nice area of town. So uh, what's, to, what's not to like from his standpoint? It's, it's bad for the country, of course, because you have all these different balkanized cultures and languages. But everyone ends up just kind of speaking in their own language. And uh, you speak uh, Mandarin and you don't want to speak English. Uh, you know, how you would never dare to say to somebody, listen, it's really important that you learn English if you're going to stay in this country. No, no, no. That's, that's offensive. Right? You understand that. Yeah, but I think likewise with our culture, likewise with Sharia law, likewise with um, you know the, so many different ways of looking at the world. Now here, here's another one: the whole transgender business. Okay, there are 51 and counting different kinds of genders. And by the way, by the time I finished with this sentence, there's another 20. Okay, it, it's that's how fast it's going, and everyone's looking for yet another different kind of gender because it's it's uh, you know. What do you call it? Free for all sort of day today. Everyone's got a gender. You might very well be the only person in that gender group, but that's okay, right? Uh, and and that's a problem. I mean, it's nobody's unified, even even for, in their gender. There's no way to bond even with another guy, for example. We're, we're like we're like everyone's got their own little headset, and we celebrate. That little headset that we have. Yeah, it creates like a gang or clan culture. And the other end of it that's so interesting when you were talking about the Korean dude is everyone always looks at from the perspective of for him, right? Well, it would be unfair for him to make him learn English. But let's turn this around a little because some of the themes you always talk about are, but what are we depriving the collective of? If this is truly a brilliant guy, aren't we depriving us of his brilliance yeah. by not having him able to say what's in his brilliant mind to us so we can learn from him? Okay, well, but that, see, the right? problem, problem with that is that's consequential thinking, and, and how dare you to do oh, so? Oh, I, I, I thought I could, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot. I can have it my way, provided it's compatible with the prevailing narrative. Right, exactly sorry. right. Okay, you, I said that earlier. I, I you, your that. offensive language is just now is evocative, yes, evocative, and triggering of how, of how those bastards, those monsters who would not allow people who identify as the opposite sex uh, to come into uh, the, the, the girls' bathroom or the girls' locker room, for example, because it, I bet you're one of those jackasses who says, 
well, what about the girl's feelings? Yeah, what you about know? my daughter's feelings? Yeah, it, How it, dare I? Yeah, it's right. <laughs> right. Because that does not matter. And when you bring that up to somebody, they, they think like, uh, they clearly haven't thought about it. Right. right. I mean, How it's, it's, dare <laughs> you engage in proto-feminism thinking and defend <laughs> the, the female? Right. right. How dare you make, make a point that I didn't think about? How right. dare you? Right. That's not, that's not what is they call that third wave feminism. You're sucking first wave feminism, yeah, buddy. Right. So, <laughs> right. That whole so, open the door for the lady chivalry. That's, that's first wave feminism. That's so 2002. You probably, you probably just think women should be able to vote. All right. So let's, let's move <laughs> Sorry. on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Mr. Distraction. I'll just shut up now. All right. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Yes. I pray. <laughs> let's get even, back. even he oh, says poor. it once in a while. All right. So the point is that you got all these, you know, these different kinds of genders, and and as Ari put it offline, and I love this, he said that you know the LGBTQ thing, right? So adding more letters, they're just yeah. adding more letters, and it seems to be adding more letters every day. That there there are more now integers for the LGBTQ plus 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 whatever than there are after the decimal in the number pi. <laughs> right now, it's, right, it's, it's hysterical. Growing. It's just growing like that. Oh, okay, yeah. whatever. Oh, just yeah. add that to the to the pi. Right, that as pile it of numbers. Yeah, you know, like how supercomputers are always finding new prime numbers. Yeah, right. You yes, know, exactly right. Genders. Just keep on doing it. Anyway, it's hysterical. But everyone wants to be their own thing. It's unique. You can't confine them. No, no, no. That's, that's bad somehow. And it's, it goes on and on like this. This is about, um, as C.S. Lewis talked about it, and I, there's a lot about this in my book, by the way, the, the Rise of the Sex Machines. It's a very important part of it because it's, it's talking about the notion of self-gratification, how we are in this culture now of self-gratification that knows no bounds. And everyone's entitled to their particular belief, uh, to their particular identity, and they don't belong to any particular group uh, because, you know, you can't confine them. It, that's, that's the way it is. Even, even um, like, I, you know, vegans, for example, you, you try to talk to them about the different kinds of things that there are different ways of being vegan. Well, you know, the, the social justice warriors among them, and there are plenty of them, of course, uh, they would have you, um, you know, believe that you don't belong with them because you have a different opinion than they, than they think. You're not a real vegan unless you are a... Uh, uh, an ethical vegan is what they call themselves, schmucks. Anyway, the point is uh, they're constantly dissipating themselves. Everyone's into their own little world. And then, and then, Ari, then they wonder why it is that we are more polarized than ever. Meaningful pause. More polarized that's a, that's a than ever. Pause. That's a mic drop. It's a mic drop. Hold on. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, they, they, they can't believe it. The, the, the point is that they are so they are so devastatingly uh, opinionated about their particular issue, and their identity is so strong and so important, and they get so riled up. I mean, like that crazy crazy man who claims to be a woman uh, in Albuquerque. I think oh, it was. Oh, the GameStop. Yeah, the GameStop man. Ma'am, ma'am. That's right. He, he went crazy, right? Yeah. And and you can just see the entitlement that has descended upon him. And, and I, my, the famous line that he said, and I don't want to get into it, but the famous line when he's yelling at this poor little store clerk, uh, who's you know obviously not at all strong as this guy is, and he says, "I'll show you, you know, come outside, I'll show you a sir." <laughs> that was my favorite line of it all, right? It all comes out in in the emotions. The point is that that uh, they are so they're in a tizzy now. They are so full of self self righteousness and identity in their identity rather, and then they're surprised that they're polarized. Yeah, you bet. That's the reason why. Yeah, you why. did it. 
It wasn't us saying, hey, you know what? Can we curtail the number of abortions? Just could we? Right. Could we put some limits that are just, you know, like baby well, suffering? Okay, so, you know, so, little things like that. It's not us doing that or, you know. Okay, so so that's the reason why we're so polarized. That's it, my friends. We've always had, you know, reasonable debate and everything else, and we've always the Lincoln Douglas debates and everything else. The fact is that there was a lot of argumentation back in the old days too, but not like it is today. It's a different kind of segmentation and polarization than it ever was before. Using your abortion uh, issue as an example, uh, and really just as an example, you know, you and I would say, okay, we're, we're against abortion, we find it to be uh, murder, for example, okay? Uh, and then they get into a tizzy, not because they're disagreeing with us and saying, no, the, li- the, the life of the fetus is not really uh, a life in the same way that you think it is, and scientists from throughout all time and humanity from all time has uh, indicated that you're not really a life until you're out of the w- whatever. They can make a whole bunch of arguments. No, no, no. Their argument against you is that you're a monster for trying to control a woman's um, body. Uh, body, her womb. And, and, and so, so they've identified you as the enemy, and they have their particular niche about how they view the world. And you have invaded that world, and that's why it's so offensive to them. There's no debate with them. And that's, that's the climate change thing all over again, right? It's, uh, and they've managed to get these, these disparate groups to join them into this fight where they right where they've they've lined up behind a narrative right not behind collective cultural compatibilities right and common denominators and, and they've given people this it's funny now that i think about it climate changes is a rallying cry that allows them to have an identity it unifies them that everyone's looking for uni- some sort of unity they want to belong right the human urge to be part of something right is, is still there yeah it's just been redirected in these incredible perverted ways. Yeah. So think of it like this. We, we spoke about this, uh, Ari and I, before, and I think it's a good analogy. You know, the Big Bang, which created the everything. universe and everything, and, <laughs> right. and such like that. You know, people don't, don't think about this. They kind of assume it. But scientists often wonder about the way the Big Bang could happen. It's not as if it was only one way that the Big Bang could have happened. It could have happened in many different ways. One of them is that, first of all, it wouldn't have ever happened at all. Certain requirements need to to trigger in order for it to happen, but I'm not going there. There's two other other basic groups that it could have happened. It could have happened in such a way that everything, yes, exploded, but... No, there would be no gravitational force of, of particles. Everything could have been gaseous, in other words. And then nothing would have ever stuck together. The gravitational world would have been so different. But it wasn't that way. Instead, what happened was that it exploded in such a way, in clumps as it were, uh, that eventually coalesced into planets and suns and, and, and so forth and all the things that we see in the universe today. And... So it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, it exploded everything out, allowed it to dissipate, but it seems to have reserved the possibility of unifying, right? We're all on the same planet, Earth. We're all in the same universe. That's, that's one thing. There's gravity everywhere and relativity. But, but let's stick to the Earth for a yes. second. The point is that we're all here talking on the one thing we have in common, I, I guess you could say, is we're all on the planet Earth, right? And we all breathe and we all need water and all those things that sustain our lives. But... Without it, had the, had the universe exploded in the other way, well, we wouldn't be around here to talk about it. So some, some sort of unity was required 
that, you know, it, the universe at least left the, the gravitational pull necessary to create this unity we call Earth. And, but, but the left doesn't want that unity. It's very interesting. Instead, what they want is everyone to have their own disparate island, and everyone belongs only inwardly to himself. Everyone engages in their, their own culture, their own unique interpretation of history. There are, there's no commonality in Western civilization or in history. The only thing that they, and, and that's exactly where they want them. And then they have them in a vacuum, as it were. They have them naked, if you want. And, and have them be able to say, okay, and now here's a unifying force for you. Narrative. Right, level. the narrative is there. Narr narrative right. level one, directive one, directive two, directive right. three. Yeah. Climate change is one. Sharia law, Islam Sharia is law peaceful. Is yeah. uh, women's rights, abortion culture. Right. Uh, conserv you're allowed to think anything you want except conservative, the, uh, right. anything for the conservative canon and the Western Civ canon. Right. Because that's all Nazism. Right. Uh, well, that's what hence, they say. Hence, this is why they want to blow up everything that used to be a gravitational pull together. Boy Scouts, church. Oh, bingo. Yep. Oh, good example. Sports, Boy Scouts. NFL. Yep. Yeah. They want to blow it all up. Uh, certainly Western civilization. That's the first to go. Right. right? America is a slaveholding country. With founding fathers, we're all slaveholders, or most of them. Yeah, colonialism, uh, evil, yeah. evil, evil. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, white male privilege, uh, you name it. These, these things, uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, heterosexual penetration. Right, know. yeah, exactly. All sex is the same. It, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, anal or vaginal or oral. It's all the same. And, uh, and all, you know, AIDS is uh, no different than any other STD. Yeah, you can inhale AIDS from any surface. So Exactly. It's not... Yeah, yeah. it's like that. All drugs are the same. Uh, you know, every, every, everyone is the same and everyone is entitled to be extremely different. Yeah. Okay, and then they wonder why we're so polarized. That's the amazing thing about right. it. Right. They it's, wonder. It's the polarizers are the ones who are always polarizing. The one, it, 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 I think it can all be encapsulated in this statement by the shrieking harpy. My husband is the victim of a right-wing conspiracy. <laughs> right? <laughs> My pretty. It, meanwhile, what are the Clintons doing? They're engaging in a conspiracy. Right, the whole projected. They're the ones dividing us, and then they go, "Oh my God, we're so divided. We need these narratives." Right. Well, it's called projecting, right? right. It's a, that's what they do, and it's they do very well. Yeah. They do very well. It, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the whole Russian collusion thing is exactly what Same they had been thing, doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all nonsense at the end of the day. Look, you know, I, I love this topic because it's it's you can we need to call them out. One of the things that I have brought up in, in Atheism Kills, and which I'm bringing up again in my new book, uh, Rise of the Sex Machines. Available when? Uh, probably in June. On? Of 2019. On, on what? Oh, on Amazon.com Amazon. and the Brock Lurie uh, And the Brock website. website. Yes, exactly yeah. right. So I think you'll like this quite a bit. Uh, but the point is, on, on Atheism Kills, what is the, the main message of it? We need God. We need the, the unity that God brings with us. Yeah, we need, the, we need to be unified by something healthy, not dishonest, lethal narratives. Right. Right? Well, look, I mean, what, what do cult leaders do and do, you know, how do they succeed? Two ways. First, oh. they divide you from those you love okay. and they addict so you. So I don't, I don't think, Ari, I, I think Ari doesn't know what a rhetorical oh, you question means. you want to give the answer. Sorry, yes, sorry. Uh, that's rhetorical. I was doing that on purpose. So yes, yes, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you were knowing on purpose. I, I appreciate that. Yes. Not. So, so <laughs> what, you know, what, what is, why, why are cults 
is successful. Uh, sorry, let's put it this way. When are cults successful? The answer is that they t exploit somebody who doesn't have grounding of his own, doesn't have a strong narrative that binds him together. So they offer the glue, as it were. And they say, hey, just rally around our guy here. His name is John Smith or whatever. And uh, just give him all your money and give him all your time. You and realize can, you can, just called out the Mormons there. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't, don't go there. No, please. The Mormons. But you said John Smith. Okay, jeez. You should have said L. Ron Hubbard. Sorry. Yes, L. Ron Hubbard. Right, Sorry. exactly right. So L. Ron Hubbard. Just give him all your money. Okay, Scientologists. All right. We, I was no, just trying to help. We, we, both you and I respect and admire the, the Mormons. They're, yes. they're incredible people. I really, I really do love them. I, do, I love Christians, generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, I love the Catholic Church. I yeah, love the, I, it the was just funny that you picked John Smith at random. <laughs> That's a pretty random name. Unfortunately, he had a random name. Okay. So you, you got to let me get through this. So we love Christians. We love of, of all shapes and sizes. They're, they're great. I mean, it's, it's really because they're, they're unifying. They, they bring God and the Ten Commandments out to the world. What's, what's, it's a wonderful thing. The Ten Commandments themselves were a unifying, uh, you know, set of laws. You know, just and, and they're basically most of them are about unifying around what not to do. Right. Don't steal. Don't murder. Uh, don't don't speak about God in vain and so on. These are important lessons. These are the unifying aspects that people just don't seem to, to want anymore. So a cult leader always takes advantage, takes advantage of that. And, and allows, it allows that cult leader to now grab these people and give them the unifying feeling that they so crave. And that's what the far left does so well. I mean, really, you got to give... This, this climate change thing is madness. It's pure madness. Um, no, no less so than the Mueller investigation with the Russian collusion issue. They, they really believed it. And they felt, just like they feel about climate change, that the science was settled or the evidence was clear. Uh, exactly the same thing. And that they feel it all the time with, with a lot of their, their missions and their, their mantras that, that, that you know, all conservatives are racist. That the science is settled somehow, right? Everything is, is unified for them in those departments. But you ask them about whether or not there's a God. And they kind of look at you like, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't believe How in that. How dare you ask? Uh, yeah. You racist? Well, I don't even know if it's daring to ask. But the, the point is, that is certainly not a glue for them. That is not their first identity by any stretch. That's right. Right? And you ask them about, uh, about America. You know, what, how, what, there's another example of, about America. What does America mean to you? You ask that to most people today, at least in Los Angeles. And they'll give you this look like, well, it could be anything, right? It could be, a, you and I would say it's freedom and opportunity. Well, they right? would normally say something like, sorry to reject, yeah, I well, think this uh, is really good. Yeah. Um, of course, it's, you, you it's would think it's good. It's a horrible racist place, but every from, from around the world should be welcome here. Okay, so that's right? another story, a distraction. <laughs> sorry. Yet again. God, it's like, I don't know, at a scale of 1 to 10 on ADD, I would say that Ari is probably about a 42. So... Anyway, that's true. You know it. All right. So, we, we, you know, you ask people these things, and you and I would say uh, opportunity and liberty and, and so on. And that's, that's great. That's the way we see it, and we think that's the way everyone should see it. But they don't. No, no, no. You ask a normal person, any, any, sorry, any random person in Los Angeles today, they'll say, really, it could be one of five different things. It'll be misogynistic. You know, they'll see it in the, in the lens of male-female disparities. They'll see it in the form of white privilege versus and racism. 
They'll see it in terms of greed, you know, capitalism versus socialism. Um, they'll see it in terms of uh, sexuality. Yeah, homophobia. Yeah, homophobia yeah. And, and all the terrible things. That they'll, they'll see it in terms of um, uh, other, uh, you know, whatever, ethnocentric yeah. ethno uh, interpretations, such as our refusal to allow Muslims into this country, our refusal to allow um, uh, illegal aliens into the country in the south, southern part of our border. Uh, that's the way they view everything. And you're, hey, and it's all good. It's all good. Whatever way you interpret America, that's the way, there's, that's the way it should be. Have and there it are, your way. Have it your way, exactly. There are no right answers. And that's the problem. There are no right answers. And you know what? There are right answers. There are. There is a real history to America. There is a real history to Western civilization, generally speaking. It created what we enjoy today. Everything that we have today is because of a unifying concept called Western civilization. You can ignore that if you want, but you do so at your own peril. And, and now you have the luxury, you and I, you, Ari, but you, average, you out there, uh, yeah. you out there, you have the luxury, the luxury of deciding to identify as something completely one off, right? You are a pansgender bisexual with mustard, please, right? I mean, you, you can do that. Right? You can be anything you damn well please. <laughs> and you're like an agnostic, you know, pesca vegan, but only organic, you know, and, and only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right? Yeah, wild, only wild caught fish, not farm raised. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, you a are a unique animal in every shape of the world. In fact, you might be an animal yeah. for, for all we care. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with anything you might believe or how you might perceive yourself or how you perceive America or how you perceive the Republicans, truth does not matter. There's no notion, rallying cry of truth, for example, in the Democrat, uh, the, the Democrat mission. There's certainly no rallying cry for freedom in the Democratic mission, or God, oh, tut tut, uh, the notion of God. So, and then they wonder why we're so polarized, right? So that, that's, and you'll hear me say that phrase over and over again, and then they wonder why we're so polarized. Yeah, but can I ask you a question? Do they just say they wonder, but they damn well know? Well, they should well know. That, I mean, well, they caused it, and it was deliberate. You know how we had the argument about Obama over the years? We started doing this podcast in 2012, and I said, Barack, come on. It's all deliberate. You're like, no, no, no. He's just misguided. I was like, Barack, his batting average is both zero and 1,000, depending right. on which way you're looking about it. No one who's ever played baseball anywhere has ever batted zero or 1,000. Yeah. It's got to be, unless they're deliberately trying to strike out every time they're trying to help the economy, or they're trying to hit a home run every time they're trying to commit some corruption or helping the enemies of America succeed. Can we, you, you know, yeah. So the point is, it's like... Uh, well, let me help you, you here. Know, the point is, stick to the they phrase. Damn well, know why it's polarized. <laughs> there you go. All right, I was going to say, stick to the polarization. Yeah, they're question. not. They're not asking. They're asking. They're they're like Stalin going. I can't believe someone killed Sinovian Bukharin or OJ. Oh my God, we have to find the real killers. Right. Exactly. Or Jussie. My God, someone someone lynched me. Well, we we call it chutzpah, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's uh, it's the notion that you you kill your parents and then plead for mercy of the court on the grounds that you're an orphan. Right? That's, yeah. That's what they do. Well, but even but even then, you know, they, they create the very circumstances of which they now complain. So, I, I love how that sentence was perfectly grammatical. Oh, it's great. Once in a while, just once in a while. But I want the kudos for it. 
But they complain about uh, anti-Semitism and they say, you know, it's really bad here in America, but, you know, it's even worse, you know, in, in, uh, in Europe because, you know, uh, it's, it's just happening, you know, and how can you deny that, Barack and Ari? Yeah, all those churches full of yeah, anti-Semites yeah. everywhere. The, the churches that nobody's going to <laughs> right. in, in Europe, right? And they're completely empty. But nevertheless, it's this vast right-wing nationalistic uh, anti-Semitic, uh, uh, you know, mantra that's, that's arising. It's, it's rearing its ugly head in Europe. Okay, so let me get this straight. Um, you, you wonder why anti-Semitism is happening. And it's true. Anti-Semitism really is happening. There are all sorts of horrible things going on against Jews in Europe. Now, it's happened for the past three years in particular, three and a half years. I wonder what happened about three and a half years ago that might have explained it. I mean, it's almost as if something happened that, that generated this, this strong new wave of anti-Semitism in Europe. I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm going to sound like a CNN info babe for a second. Hmm. <laughs> Your words are intriguing, Barack. And here it is. Might it have been, just might it have been when Angela Merkel said, let's let in 800,000 uh, Muslims from Syria, no less, <laughs> to come in without any vetting. Let's see what happens because nothing can go wrong with this. Okay. And of course, it was much more than 800,000, much more. So now at this point, it's at least 3 million that has come in since uh, 2015. So, uh, and then of course, then they beg for more, more uh, visas to get into the country because, you know, they had their families there after all. Yeah, and you're not talking about relatively assimilated people of Turkish descent who've been in Germany for 30 or 40 no, years yeah, and exactly. brought their shawarma stands to the schnitzel stand. Yeah, they, you were know, fine. they were Putting fine. mustard on shawarma and, and, and tahini on schnitzel. No, you're talking about savages directly from the home country who brought all the habits of the third world. Boom! Right here now. Well, not just habits of the third world, but also anti-Semitism of the Arabic world. And it is huge. You don't, you don't get it, folks. I mean, if, if you just look at Egyptian children, okay, and that's not from a, that's from a relatively moderate country, and that, that's from a country that has a peace officially with Israel, a cold peace, mind you, but still a peace. They're not going to go to war with each other, with, with each other for, for decades, thank God. But they teach these children. You know how they teach the children uh, mathematics? They teach them like, all how right. many Jews can you kill with yes. this gun? Yes, if you, you have wait, 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 you have three bullets. You see three Jews. How many Jews can you kill at most? Can you kill them all? Answer, yes. Right, if you, if you do so if you carefully. If you put three bullets in one Jew, how many Jews can you kill? If you put one Jew bullet in three Jews, right. how many Jews can you kill? Very good, Hafaz. You right. thought well about That's right. that. Well, if you ricochet, just right. Anyway, so, but this is the way they teach math. And then they teach grammar in the same way. Like, what is the best to do? How many Jews can you yeah. kill? You know? And then they, 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 they yeah. value your grammar based upon... Point is that there is such endemic anti-Semitism in in the Arab world. Uh, you know whether we like that or not, it's true. It's it's horrific. Yeah. Can I get and then and then and then they import all the, these people, which you know it's not as if once they cross the Mediterranean, they they, they leave their anti-Semitism behind. Of course they, they they bring it with them. Of course. And then there's and then they're so surprised that there's anti-Semitism in Europe. And who do they blame it on? The Wait Jews. For yeah, the Jews. No, they, they blame it on the, the rise of the right. Yeah, right, 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 conservatives, the, right the Bible. Like, really? Yeah. The, the, the Europeans don't have any values at all. 
let alone to be able to stand up to anything, whether they're, even if they were the equivalent of the KKK in Europe, there aren't. Your, your, your notion of the alt-right, your vision of them, a goose-stepping Nazis, they don't exist. They've been neutered a long time ago. They, you, you think socialism has, has not completely wiped out any sort of values or ability to stand up? Are you kidding? These people are pussies. And I mean that in the full sense of the world. They, they, are, they have no manhood whatsoever. Right? I remember I, I was in... Uh, That's the best podcast that you've ever done. <laughs> that, that... Oh. He likes it when I, when I go vulgar a little bit. No. Just I, a little no, bit. I like it when you get angry. That was great. I know. Those people uh, look, are pussies. <laughs> I, I, was, I lived in Germany. Uh, 1980, 1981. Uh, and I learned a lot. The, the cowardice among Germans to stand up to just regular day-to-day evil. When something bad happens... Let's say on the street, they see somebody, you know, being mugged or, for example, or God forbid, a woman being raped or about to be raped. They don't step up. They expect the police to the polizai to suddenly show up. You know, oh, let's call. They'll be agreeable to to call up the polizai and make them aware of it. But to actually thrust themselves into the situation and stop it. No, thank you. That's what the government does for them. They, they have no sense of individual obligation to protect and, and help each other. So don't tell me that there's somehow, and, and this happens all the time. I remember uh, I was on a train from uh, Sweden to Norway at one point, and uh, this, I, I was offering this guy to take my seat in a better class because my buddy and I wanted to sit together, and this way we could make things better. And he says, that's fine by me, but... Uh, I must ask the conductor. And I said, why do you need to ask the conductor? I need to know if it's allowed. And I, I said, I don't think the conductor cares, but I must know. I, I don't want to do anything wrong. So, so sure enough, you know, he asks the conductor who comes by, and he says, is it okay if he and I switch seats? And the conductor says, I don't care. Of course he doesn't care. <clears throat> but this notion, like you have, you have to conform with the rules. These, are not this, these people don't have the ability to take a stand. They've never taken a stand in all their lives, okay? For, for better or for worse, for good or for evil, they don't take a stand. So don't tell me for a moment that there's some sort of equivalent of a neo-Nazi party that's actually doing anything there. Yeah, well, uh, not, not that I would want yeah. that, by the way. Of course not. I'm saying that they're, they're neutered anyway. No, the, the rise of anti-Semitism is coming from a very different group. They're called uh, these, these Syrian refugees. That's what they are. Okay, that's where your anti-Semitism is. And you don't have to like it. I get that. Because you want you, you want to believe your narrative that it comes from something something else. And and how convenient that would be to blame it on the on the right. It's coming from the, right. uh, the it's Muslims. It's coming from these these other countries, and it's coming into countries populated by natives who are unwilling to stand up for themselves and tell the people coming in, hell no, you assimilate. Right. right? So, so it's but it's coming from that part of the world. I did want to do the um, anti-Semitic uh, grammar lesson, though. So um, the, if you have the sentence in, in Egyptian... I know you're rubbing your head going, where is this going? Yeah, if you have the sentence in Egyptian grammar class, the Jew made his matzah out of little girl's blood. What's the subject? What's the predicate? <laughs> exactly. Right? That's, That's what I'm saying. 
<laughs> yeah, you couldn't wait to say that. You that that was about ten minutes ago. That's that's. that's I know, but you didn't do it. Yeah, right, that, yeah that's that, the time that you should have brought it up. I, just, I just didn't say. want to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now I'm concluding. That means you don't interrupt the rest of this podcast. I'll be over here. All right. Thank you. He's walking away. He's looking at my pictures. I'm curling up in the corner. <laughs> yes, as as you should. just stay there. Anyway, the point is that that even. The ultimate thing that's polarized, wafered, is truth itself. Because where there is no truth, where there's no unifying, there's the word unifying, truth out there, you can never have a unified nation. If everyone's truth is just as valid as anybody else's truth, uh, you know, in other words, if you if you perceive America to be a great country, as Ari and I do, uh, versus somebody else who sees it as a pure evil country that enslaved uh, people and uh, decimated and annihilated the Native Americans, and it's, it's the very enterprise of America was evil from the get-go, well then, we've got different truths, don't we? And, and there are many different uh, versions of that truth, as many as there are genders, apparently. Because that's the way it works. And so when you do that, guess what? You're going to have a polarized nation. We're polarized by virtue of our many different truths. Not by our different identities, but our truths. The truths about America and about ourselves individually. That is why we are where we are today. More divisive than ever before. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week. 